You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. The best part of the hunting season is finally here. We've waited for this all year long. Now let's make it count with some great gear from our partners. First up, Tacticam is our title sponsor, and their point-of-view cameras are my go-to method for filming my hunts. Their new 6.0 camera has added a 1-inch LCD touchscreen that has totally changed the game for me. Its lightweight design, weatherproof housing, and one-touch operation really simplify the self-filming process and make sure that I have high-quality footage to share with my family and friends. My personal favorite for archery season is two 6.0 cameras, one on a stabilizer mount on my bow and one on a bendy clamp mount for an over-the-shoulder angle. And I pair this with a Tacticam remote so I can turn both cameras on with the push of a single button. To learn more or pick up your 6.0 today, head over to Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Now as the temps begin to drop, I know I'll be hunting in comfort with my Huntworth camo. Huntworth is making high-quality, technical hunting clothing at a fraction of the price of other brands. This time of year, I'm making sure to layer smart. I start with a set of base layers, either the Casper or the Bangor, which I have found to be very comfortable and moisture-wicking. Next, I'll have on either my Elkins midweight top and bottom or my Saskatoon heavyweight top and bottom. Either way, I'm also going to be bringing my Saskatoon vest. And because the hunting often gets better when the weather turns nasty this time of year, the Winstead rain suit lives in my hickory pack all the time. And I can honestly say that this is the best rain suit that I have ever used. You can learn more or grab your Huntworth gear today at HuntworthGear.com. And finally, the Onyx Hunt app is an absolutely indispensable tool for me this time of year. If I'm not in the action, I'm going to be making a move to go find it. And the Onyx Hunt app helps me identify those terrain features that I want to key in on with their latest aerial imagery additions. The app now has fully functional 3D on both iOS and Android, low-resolution satellite images updated every two weeks with historic lookback, and leaf-off imagery, all in addition to the base maps that you've always had in the app. Get more out of your maps this season and know where you stand with the Onyx Hunt app. Now let's get into this week's show. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This is your home for all things outdoors in the Badger State. I'm your host, Pierce Nellis, and with me on the line, I've got our other host, Mr. Josh Raley. Josh, how you doing? Good, Pierce. Uh, feeling a lot better than last time we recorded an episode. I am uh, right there with you. Yeah, you sound like it, man. And you know <laughs> what? I I recorded an episode with a guy yesterday. I was actually on his show uh, called Southern Game and Tackle. And uh, good, real good dude. Real good dude. Guy's name's Rick Hall. And he was like, man, you uh, you sound a lot better than you and Pierce did the other day. I was like, ah, oh, you listen. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, doing doing a lot better. You sound better too. Yep. Still got the old uh, 
between Xbox sitting right here, just in case. But I'm thinking this episode, we should have a few fewer uh, sneeze breaks and nose honking, uh, tutor honking, sorry, as you said. Dude, <laughs> Dude I, I got to throw it out there, man. Somebody messaged me the other day. They said, because <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned this, so I hear, here it is again. I've still got my nasal spray with me, right? And, still hooked. You know, it's, it, yeah, it's going to be with me for a little while now. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> It's just one of those things. But anyway, so I, I incidentally said, um, you know, you take it and you kind of blow it up your tutor, meaning your nose. Um, somebody messaged me, though, and they were like, hey, blow it up your tutor, eh? I knew you Southern boys were different. So uh, <laughs> it was, <laughs> uh, they took it as they took it as I feared some people would. So, um, but anyway, I'm feeling pretty good. I will say, Pierce, I discovered with this, cold and it was probably the most like runny nose kind of cold that i've ever had like you know as far as like stuff actually running you know and having to blow my nose a ton man having a mustache changes things yeah when you get when you have to blow your nose a lot like i hadn't really put that together yet usually i'm not a runny nose guy you know i'll get a sore throat or different things but but man a mustache changes things when you got a runny nose it really does, man. It's a whole nother ball game of stuff to get caught in. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Dude. There's a lot of there's a lot of upkeep and maintenance that has to happen. Yes, uh, if absolutely. You don't want to look like you've lost your mind. So. <laughs> well, on top of it, too, man. Like, I'm you, know, you, you try to. I'm gonna gross people out here. So sitting in the tree stand, right? Cold November, crisp morning. Nose is gonna start to run, right? Right. But, you're sitting there up in a tree, try not to move too much. So you don't want to be like wiping your nose and, you know, lifting your arm up or anything like that. I am like a freaking toddler when I'm in the tree stand, dude. I wipe my nose <laughs> on anything and everything I can. Oh, and, yeah. Dude, it is like the mustache 100%. And I feel like this year, more than anything, the mustache has been giving me the grief of stuff getting caught in it where it ought not. And usually i'm I'm pretty clean this year it seemed like man i could not wipe that thing clean for the life of me <laughs> you need a you need a special brush to like brush it out <laughs> like a squeegee <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my goodness yeah dude i uh i'll pull the old uh usually i'll have a face mask on or something like that so mm -hmm. i'll get my face mask kind of positioned right underneath my nose because my nose doesn't run a lot but there's like that like just really watery clear yeah, water running you get you know and it's uh so i'll just tuck that face mask right underneath my nose and let it just kind of catch everything oh. which is absolutely disgusting but i don't have to do a lot of moving and sniffling that way yeah that's fair um, but dude then it's like you're getting waterboarded after an hour or so because you got the vapor of your your exhales blowing into your your neck gator plus the top of that thing starting to get soaked. So you gotta, you gotta start really huffing and puffing and then you pull it down and that sopping wet things just pressing on your chin or it's on your neck. And oh yeah. Cold man. I don't know. Yeah. It ain't good, dude. It's not good. No, no. You and I, we've been talking this year a lot though. We're big fans of the old neck gator. Yeah, man. The, I forget what it's called, but it's, uh, I've never used one really before. I mean, I've had some in the past, but I just never really used them because I always thought well, my neck's not getting cold. Like my right. neck doesn't bother me, but dude, I got this Huntworth neck gator. Um, and there was just a day that I was just cold. I was like, man, I need to put on everything that I have. And so I wore it 
And it's the one, it's lined with that like Sherpa fleece. So it's a heat boost product. So it's got graphene. graphene. Yeah, graphene infused fabric. And dude, that changed my life. Like <laughs> I could go, I could wear one less layer of a jacket. Like as far as a top, if I wore the neck gaiter. I yeah. Think. It was stupid. I was like, how have I not been doing this? Because dude, I was the type, like, I called Huntworth last year uh, and was like, Hey, you know, we, we talk about things that like we, we would like to see. And I was like, I would like for my Elkins stuff to fit under my Saskatoon stuff a little bit better. Cause Elkins is made as an outer layer and the Saskatoon stuff is made as an outer layer. And they're like, yeah, that's not how it's intended to be used. You gotta, you need to layer with something else under it. And I was like, yeah, I get that. But I'm like throwing on, you know, multiple things. But this year, dude, like I didn't need anything like literally I wore my my base layer, a uh, the the hoodie, um, the um, Shelton hoodie, Shelton, Shelton midweight hoodie, the Saskatoon vest and the Saskatoon jacket, throw that neck gaiter on. I didn't need any other layers inside Uh, and was was roasty toasty, you know. Like that graphene stuff pretty mean it is man yeah it, it's really really nice i mean you can definitely tell a difference so if you got if you've got some of their older clothing it's not as bulky as like the old walmart stuff you might used to have gotten mm-hmm. um but it was definitely bulkier so basically what the graphene allowed them to do is to get the same level of warmth in a like a 30 percent lighter and less bulky garment That's and so it is. It is. So what I can do now, you know, that I maybe couldn't have done in the past is take my jacket and my pants and my vest that are all, you know, I mean, their their Saskatoon stuff's made to be worn down to like real cold temperatures. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can take that and wear that stuff all the way down to some really cold stuff because I can just take that um, take that Saskatoon, roll it up fit it all inside my pack because what I hate doing I have discovered is wearing my clothes on the outside of my pack because I'm crawling through so much junk, like so much, uh, you know, thick briars and stuff that I don't, I don't want to be getting hung up on everything. And I don't want to be, you know, especially you, if you've got like Sherpa lined clothing and you get, yeah, yeah, dude, if you get beggar's (laughs) lights all up in your Sherpa lined, like that's not good. No, you know, and so I want it all inside my pack instead of hanging on the outside. And so I can do that. I can fit the pants, I can fit the jacket, and I can fit the vest. And that's in addition to the camera and everything else that I'm carrying in with me. Right. Which pack is that again? That's the the hickory. Um, the hickory pack. It's the bigger. Yeah. So I I've still got the the I think it's called the Lodi mm-hmm. pack, and it it is a nice pack. That's their lighter weight, smaller pack. But for the rut hunt, man, I, I was doing so, – I mean, every sit was was planned to be an all-day sit. So I had, you know, beef jerky. I've got, you know, uh, as big of a water bladder as I can find. Mm-hmm. I've got one in my in the pack. I've got all my clothes because I don't want to come out. Like, I do not want to get cold enough that I have to come out. Uh, you know, I've got a camera arm, camera, four, three or four climbing sticks, depending on what I was doing, platform. A lot of times, if I didn't know exactly where and how I was going to set up, I'd throw my saddle in the pack as well. So, dude, I had that sad, I had that pack like 
crammed with stuff, but um, it did a great job. Um, But my smaller pack has now kind of become my quick hunt. You know, I'm only going to be out for two or three hours uh, or maybe I'm going to go glassing for the evening or, you know, early season. I'm not bringing in any extra clothes, those kinds of hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trail cameras, obviously. I mean, I, you know, use that for, for dragging trail cameras around. So, right. Absolutely, man. I've been trying to figure out how exactly I want to, I want to play the pack game next year. Cause this year I've been, right. <clears throat> as you know, I mean, you saw it when we, when we turkey hunted, I've got this tiny little, I don't even know how many liters it is, but I mean, it looks like a, like a freaking like cycling backpack but it's like this old field and stream pack that i have jerry rigged with you know some of those you know you know like the night eyes uh the big heavy duty rubber twist ties yeah gear you know, ties stuff. yeah those things the gear ties um and then i take my saddle platform and i basically just wrap the strap of that around the platform once and then basically through the arm loops around the body of the pack and then hook it back on itself on the little, um, whatever you'd call that, that that stud or the button, and cinch that thing down so it's tight down to the pack. And that's how I'm running my gear right now. But that thing's so small, I can't fit a jacket in there. I can fit one trail cam, my knife, uh, an extra pack of hand warmers. It's got room for uh, like a water bladder, but it, honestly, dude, I'm like the worst hydrator in the world. So usually that just stays in the car. Um, but man, this year, I've been doing exactly what you said, taking my jacket and I'll hook it over the two steps of my uh, climbing sticks and I'll wedge it in there between my hip and the and the, and the steps. And I hike in that way because it's a freaking uphill hike, uh, you know, in those bluffs that I've been hunting and you work up sweat pretty quick. And man, yeah. there are two things that make that tough. One, as I mentioned, it is very uphill. Two, there's beggars lice freaking everywhere. Even yesterday morning, right. I was out there and like, dude, I was walking up. I mean, this is like, it's like a logging road going in. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's pretty open. I brushed up against one thing in the dark. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I don't know where it was. But man, I went to put my jacket on and I just did a quick check. I like kind of just wiped my arms to make sure that there wasn't anything on because I hate when I get beggars lice inside my jacket and then I go to yeah. put something else on and then it's scratching me all day. Dude, my whole right arm from like the bottom, like the top of like my bicep down to like the middle of my forearm, just a blanket of beggar's lice. So I was like, are you freaking uh, me? So it was just that is the worst. pain in the butt. But yeah. what I was getting at with the uh, neck gator quest was yesterday. I forgot mine. And Uh-oh. man, it was chilly yesterday morning, especially on yeah. a, uh, in a little draw on the bluffs. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I got to figure out the gear situation for next year and work out what pack I want to bring in. Cause I'm also just like, I like being a minimalist and I like, right. I, don't, I don't like to bring in anything that I might not need. Like if I can get yeah. by without it, I'm going to, I'm a big pockets guy. I like cargo pants. I like having different, you know, spots on my person that I can store gear rather than lugging around a pack. But you know, right. As a saddle right. Hunter, it's a necessary evil. So, yeah, <clears throat> man, I, I get way too hot on the walk-in mm-hmm. to go truly minimalist. Like I know a lot of guys are like, I don't carry a pack. I just stick everything in my pockets. And I'm like, dude, I've got mile and a half plus walks. A lot of times, like, how mm-hmm. are you like, if I walk 
a hundred yards from the truck with everything on, I'm sweating bullets by then, yeah. you know, like it, it's not. And then I get in there and I get cold, you know, because I'm soaking wet. So like, there's no way I'm going to walk in with everything. Like, dude, I have to go in like legit. There, there are a lot of times that I'm going in with two layers. Like I, I go in sometimes with just a t-shirt on mm-hmm. and I'll take that t-shirt off when I get where I'm going and then start putting my layers on when I get to my tree. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm stripping down to almost like, like the bare minimum that I can make it in. Right. Like if I'm not, if my teeth aren't chattering on my walk in, I'm going to be sweating too mm-hmm. much, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I would love the, I love the thought of being a minimalist, but currently the way I hunt on public, like I just can't do it. I, yeah. I, I'm fighting, I'm fighting too much brush and I'm staying in for too long. And it's, it sounds like I'm trying to talk like I'm just a, a hard, uh, but, um, <laughs> but I'm not like, I'm, it's just the reality of what I have to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I could walk a hundred yards and post up, then I would like, you know, as soon as I can buy some good ground, I'm going to, right. uh, but you know, it's just where I'm at right now. I can't be a true minimalist because of the clothing. Like I've mm-hmm. just got to bring multiple layers in. Right. Um, I think but I'd love to get of, there, man. Right. And I think a big part of that too, is the time of year that you're hunting. Like if you're going out in September, like, you know, right. Damn well, you can get away with the lightest pants you got and the lightest, you know, like a, a jersey or like a, you know, a mesh, just some sort of a lightweight, you know, moisture wicking shirt and you'll be just fine. But right. And if I'm, and if I'm sitting from three to seven thirty, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, when you're sitting from, you know, five fifteen in the morning, five in the morning until, you know, four forty-five or five o'clock. You know, I think end of legal shooting light when I when I was up there was like five ten, five fifteen. Mm-hmm. So like we're talking a legit twelve hours yeah. of sitting. You know, in in much colder weather. So, but yeah, you're right for those for those early season hunts. It, that it's it's a big symptom of what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Right. right. And so maybe I just need to get good, get like a lot better at early season hunting. That's what I've been thinking this whole year. I'm like, man, I feel like I really missed the boat in October. And it was a hell of a lot nicer in October than it was in November. So I don't yeah. know. Like it I'm sure. I'm getting excited for late season. Um, and that's part of what we're gonna be talking about today a little bit. We're not gonna totally recap everything we did a couple weeks ago, but I'm getting excited for late season. I'm getting excited for some doe hunts. Um, you know, Christmas is right around the corner here. Um, we've got the holiday hunt coming up here in Wisconsin in most right. uh, counties right. in most, I guess I shouldn't say most, I looked at the map yesterday. It's actually a lot fewer than, than I thought. Uh, but if you're in the Southern half of the state, you've more than likely got uh, right. a holiday hunt coming up right now. Um, yeah. But man, it's it, the late season gear game is tough. Late season strategy game is tough as we, as we talked about, um, you know, it, I, I was listening to Greg Litzinger actually um, on the Truths from the Stand podcast, and he was mentioning, you know, basically his whole late season strategy is get out in the woods so that you are set up by three o'clock because you never know when they're going to start moving. If it's real cold, they'll be moving at like, you know, it could be any time. They might not stop moving, you know, for for a lot of the day. Um, right. And, you know, I was just thinking about it. I was like, you know, that's 
I hadn't explicitly said it, but that's exactly what my strategy is. Get out there, right. set up, you know, be in the stand, be quiet, don't move at three o'clock and just wait it out. Cause you like, you, you know where they're going. If you've done your scouting, you know where they're going. Right. Another thing that I kind of just neglected and that I've never really given any thought to, cause usually my mind switches to trout, but in some states, or I keep saying states, in some counties of Wisconsin, um, there's actually a fair number of them. There's the extended archery season that goes right. all the way until January 31st. Yep. Yep. I've That's something it. I've, have you? Yeah. Where I, uh, some of my places where I enjoy mm -hmm. are legal beagle for the extended archery. Yeah, absolutely. What was your, uh, what was your experience in those? I mean, that was the one year I was telling you about where, you know, I, I had a doe come in at right. negative four degrees and almost snapped my oh, bow. Oh, right, half. right, right. Yep. Um, you know, so it was really cold. Uh, again, like we talked about, you know, obviously everything was so, uh, the deer were so concentrated. Mm -hmm. I had a hard time finding deer on public. So like my whole strategy my whole strategy essentially revolved around finding, uh, finding permission on, right. on private. It mm -hmm. just, just was what it was, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's, you know, that may end up being what my strategy turns into. I might throw a couple sits out of my folks place again. Um, just cause there's January, man, the deer begin to move from, they key in on the, you know, the field up on top. And by January, really late January, starting to get into February, that primary food source starts turning into bird feeders. <laughs> right, right. And I'm not, yeah. not going to be shooting off the back porch or anything like that. And I'm, you know, I, I, I have no interest in, in shooting a backyard deer. Um, thought about it many a time and i've joked about it for years as i sit in the kitchen drinking my coffee looking out the window <laughs> at a deer that is 15 20 feet from me can see me through the window sipping my coffee looking at it and is just completely unbothered so i right. don't know i think it would be cool to try and get on a buck in january and just just that shoot a buck in january i think that would be yeah uh a, a, just a, a unique experience and you know, something kind of unlike, uh, you know, what anyone thinks of when they think of deer season or deer hunting. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's, it's, yeah. Especially for Wisconsin. I mean, when I when I moved up to Wisconsin, I had never shot a deer in like October. And I'd mm -hmm. only shot one. I only shot a couple of deer in November time frame, December time frame. Most of my deer were January. Yeah. Uh, for down here in the south. But just the. The way our seasons are different, you know. Right. So it almost felt natural for you then going out in January. Just it should have felt three well, or four times as cold. <laughs> uh yeah, like like a solid forty five degrees colder when I went uh -huh. out. And, you know, the I, I think like when I stepped into the snow, like into the ditch to get through to the field to cross the field, I went into my waist in the snow. <laughs> And then the trudge across the crop field to get to where I was going was was legitimately almost knee deep, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like it took me forever mm -hmm. to get to this tree line, and I'm surprised I even saw a deer. I'll be honest with you, like 
the amount of time I spent just like standing in that field, just like, good Lord, how do I get across this thing? I didn't have snowshoes or anything. It's my first winter mm-hmm. in Wisconsin, but, um, anyway. That's the thing too, man. It's like, start thinking about late season deer hunting, man. It, it turns into a gear intensive ordeal real quick. It does. And yeah, it's, it really I mean, does. <clears throat> but yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. So, so walk me through then. What what does the temperature typically look like? What's the weather typically like when you're doing these southern January hunts? Just so we can all daydream. So, yeah, man. When I so I'll, I'll, when I killed my first buck in deep South Alabama, it was January thirtieth. My very first deer. Uh, good six point for this property, and it was seventy one degrees that day. Oh man! So, sun was shining, that, a gentle breeze. Yes. Sipping a pina colada. Yes. Sweating. <laughs> Sweating. Sitting Swatting in the sun. Skeeters. I remember, <clears throat> dude, it was, yeah, mosquitoes still out, ticks still out, snakes definitely still out. Like, you know, it j- just thick as anything. Uh, food plot looking great, bright green, growing, living its best life. What the hell? Uh, yeah, it was just, it was wild. So um, <laughs> that's not typical, but I mean, we will it it will stay pretty warm i mean uh it's not like next week i'm going to be hunting and it's going to be in the in the upper 60s right pretty much pretty much the whole week um that's a good bit further south than where i live right now it's like right now it's 38 and you know it's been chillier here lately it's been in the high 20s for our lows and yes that's been that's been pretty cold for us you know highs up in the lower 50s um that's like that's pretty chilly weather for you. That is that that's I don't know if that's colder than I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah. There have been a lot of times that I look at like where I hunt in Wisconsin, I look at the weather when I check the weather here, and we've been like two or three degrees off of what it's been in Wisconsin. No kidding. Yeah, it's it's not been a lot different. Huh. Wild. Yeah. Well, you did say though that George is kind of like if you like that crisp fall weather kind of yeah, you get the the seasonal change without the full seasonal change and stuff. You've said that it's kind of the right. perfect spot for that. Yeah, so we're in kind of like northwestish Georgia, so we don't mm-hmm. get we don't get a lot of snow, but we definitely get the seasonal changes. Right, um, which is which is real nice. Too. Definitely, yeah. awesome. Well, man, we're not here to talk about the weather as much as we've uh, kind of gone down the. We, we've given Huntworth <laughs> a hell of a lot of credit and. Big thanks. Well, to they, those deserve guys, they, they deserve it because they deserve it. They do. They're putting out some awesome, awesome gear, um, which yep. all of you folks should go and check out uh, if you haven't already. We've been talking about yes. it for. I mean, you've been talking about it for years, now, over a year, two year yeah, and a half, two, two years, two years, yeah, two years, almost, yeah. almost two years, yeah, yeah. Good folks to work with. Good equipment to be using. Um, yep. Last week we discussed crossbows and cell cams. And you know, I we did. I, I went out on the on the social medias, and I put a couple polls out there on our Instagram story. I just wanted to see what our what our listeners were, just where their hearts were at around these topics. And uh, there was some interesting data. I thought, you know, we didn't have a ton of people uh, chime in, but those of them who did, uh, if you're listening, thanks a lot. Uh, we appreciate it. But in terms of cell cams. A lot of negative, negative attitudes towards them. Yep, they really are. The seventy-three percent of people. Sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, I got the same, like I had people emailing, messaging, texting, like I had people text me that I'm like, I have no clue where you even got me, like how you even know my phone. Like, <laughs> have we ever talked on the phone? I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But like, I had people reaching out being like, I hate cell cameras. I'm not going to use them anymore. I'm so sick of seeing them on public land. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. Well, 73% what? No, that, that was going to say 73% of folks said that overall they felt that cell cameras were bad for hunting as a whole. Uh, same kind of thing, or I guess in terms of a, a negative light, 58% uh, of folks said that they shouldn't be allowed on public land. 92% uh, of people said that uh, cell cameras make people a worse hunter. Wow. 92%. That, wow. that questionnaire had the most responses of all of them. 92% of people said that they believe cell cams make people worse hunters. Oh, boy. That's mm -hmm. up there. I like that. That's like that really up there. Yeah. Higher than wow. I thought. And, you know, I did have a chance to reach out last week. You mentioned about uh, you'd be interested on our buddy, Mr. Rosenberger's um, opinions on that. I gave him a ring. Yeah. Caught up okay. with him. That was the first thing out of his mouth when I said, what's they your take on cell time. cams? He's like, I think they make hunters worse. I think they can let wow. people, they, they let people get lazy. Wow. People are chasing that dopamine hit. They're chasing pictures more so than they're chasing deer. And it turns in they, the, the whole sport can get misconstrued. Yeah, man. I'm paraphrasing there, but that was the, the overall yeah. tone of our conversation around there. So, yeah, I, I think he's probably right. And I, and I, I don't think that it makes you necessarily lose skill that you already have, mm -hmm. but I, I think it can make you a worse hunter because like you said, we end up chasing those pictures now yeah. and I don't, I'll toot my own horn here for just a little bit. This, this year I did not depend and lean on those cell cameras. Mm -hmm. I, but that's mostly because I wasn't getting the data that I wanted from them, you know? So I just right. kind of, I just kind of abandoned them and, you know, I still got some good Intel. I, I saw the buck that I shot, you know, saw that he was doing just fine, mm -hmm. uh, two or three days after I shot him, the, you know? And so it was good to have him out, but yeah, man, I agree. I think, I think it gets us in that cycle of like trying to chase down the, the buck and trying to figure out where he has been and it puts us behind them instead of putting us out in front of them, which is where we really need to be if we actually want to catch up with the deer. Right. Um, I do think, and I, I had some positive statements come in, you know, people saying that cell cameras help them be better uh, and kind of echoing what I've said before or saying the same thing that I've said before. They allow me to be more selective because mm -hmm. I know what's possible for the area. I'm more likely to pass that two, maybe three-year-old if I know for a fact there are two five-year-olds in here that I want to shoot. Right. Um, but you can get that with a, with a standard SD camera. You don't have to have cell camera capabilities for that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know, man. I just found out yesterday Missouri does not allow cell cameras on public ground. Really? I didn't know that. Neither did most, I. Most, most Missouri public, you cannot run cell cameras. Huh. Had no idea. Had no idea. At least that's what I was told yesterday. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I, I got to see how this develops, man. But I, 
I know that I love not having to go check cameras. Right. But if there's a way to not have to go check them and get all the way to them, but it not be like a true cell camera, yep. then I think I'd be on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. If that totally. makes sense. Some sort of like you know? the like the cutty link system kind of thing where it Yeah. Something like that or or maybe uh maybe a little, you know, maybe an app on my phone where I can get, you know, within 400 yards or so of the camera and then my phone can connect through something. I don't know. I don't know what would reach that far, but, mm-hmm. um, because 400 yards is a long way. Um, or maybe just delayed, um, you know, maybe just, we get rid of any instant Intel, right. you know, right. you get a, a weekly dump or a, yep. even a daily, even a daily dump is better than what a lot of guys are doing. A lot of guys are, you know, get a picture at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning of him going back up into a bedding area. So you go sit there at three o'clock that afternoon and you shoot him when he comes out. It's like, yeah, that, that, cell really camera hunt was that direct, yeah, that cell camera was directly responsible for what you did. Right. You know? And so, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm with it, dude. I'm with it. If, if cell cameras were banned tomorrow on public ground, I would not be disappointed other than, the precedent that it sets whenever you start taking things away from hunters, because when you take mm-hmm. it away, you basically never get it back. You open right. The door. I've heard Tony. Yep. You open the door. I've heard Tony Peterson say that an absolute ton. And I think he's right. You're very rarely going to get that back. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to take it away, we need to have really good reasons, but I wouldn't be brokenhearted. Right. Right. Absolutely. That, you know, that's a great point. I think that's something that, you know, we as hunters, we gotta, we definitely have to keep that in mind. Um, <clears throat> you know, and that's, yeah. I mean, I think that's we may touch on this or not, but I, I think that's part of why Ernabuck was so unpopular with a lot of people, is because it felt like they were mm. taking away. Okay, maybe you can't like you, you can you can shoot a buck, but you can't shoot a buck before shooting a doe. You know, yeah. a lot of guys had that experience. We're like, well, wait a minute, yeah. like. Maybe there's some sort of a system. We'll touch on that later. Um, that was, you know, it, it, it reminded me too, there was a gentleman I spoke with in one of my uh, one of my fishing schools uh, that I work at who was actually responsible for getting a dove hunt uh, or dove season in Wisconsin. Um, nice. He went down to Illinois every year. And uh, I'll tell the Spark Notes version of this, uh, of this story here. But basically he had buddies in Illinois that he would go down and dove hunt with who would just give him shit all the time for, oh, yeah, you, know, you got to come down here. And I think up by Wausau, there was a dove farm and they would truck the birds down and they would, you know, release them and stuff from this <laughs> farm. And I lived, I think, near yeah. Wausau and his buddies would always just give him crap and say like, oh, yeah, thanks for, you know, thanks for raising all of our birds for us. You know, sucks you can't hunt them up by you guys. And he made a bet with his friends. I think he bet each of them like a dollar or two dollars or something like that, and said, "I'll bet you each two dollars that I can uh, that I can get a dove season in Wisconsin." And he started just pushing and pushing and pushing the DNR, and he got the NRA on board with them and stuff like that. Got some backing from those guys. Ended up having the uh, the annual DNR conference which is normally held in a high school auditorium. They had to rent out the Madison Coliseum because over 300,000 people showed up to this this annual conference in either support or protest of uh, a dove season. And I mean, as you can imagine, it was animal rights activists who didn't want, you know, the dove is a sign of peace. We're not going to like, we can't hunt those. We can't shoot those. And then the hunters who were 
pressing to get this dove season, not necessarily because they were passionate about hunting doves, but because they were passionate about, okay, this is one more line in def of defense where, okay, if they're going to strip away a season, they're going to have to strip away a dove season first. And right. then maybe they have to strip away, you know, then they can, you know, go after small game, but they're not going to get all the way back up into, you know, it's one, like, it's literally just that. It's one less, one more line of defense between right. Richard's rights being, being stripped away. I thought right. that was just, a, it, I, I wish I could remember his name and had his contact info because it was just a fascinating story who I, I think he'd be, he'd be a great guy. Yeah, man. On. <clears throat> so I know somebody that knows him. Uh, when we have on the guys from the Wisconsin Waterfowl Association, mm -hmm. they have talked about that story and they've talked about the gentleman that was kind of behind the scenes with a lot of that. So I can, I would say with 90% certainty, I can get a hold of, of him for us. Awesome. We may have to, to have him on. I think that'd be cool. Definitely. That'd be really cool. <clears throat> Definitely. So circling back to cell camps here. Uh, yep. I've got two questions here. So you mentioned Missouri is now yep. no longer allowing them on uh, public land. So it started with Kansas, right? And then bumped up to Missouri. I, I don't, I think Missouri may have been first, but I don't know. Okay. Gotcha. Either way, that, that general vicinity, <clears throat> some big yep. buck stakes or states, um, some states that are pretty darn good for shooting big whitetails. Um yep. A lot of good public land access there. Do you think that is going to continue to spread? Do you think more states are going to adapt that? Do you think Iowa might be next? Or I'm not. Maybe you don't have to call your shot. Um, I love if you want to call a shot. By all means, dude. I think if any state, I if any state is going to outlaw those, I think there's a good chance it could be Wisconsin. Really? Because. Uh, the primary reason that is getting brought up for a lot of these cell cams being banned is not that, hey, it's unethical from a hunting standpoint, mm -hmm. but that but that we are invading privacy of others and we are right. messing with like just because I go out on public land with my kids does not mean I want pictures of my kids sent to your cell phone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And because. Wisconsin is such a versatile state when it comes to outdoorsmen and women, you know, people who love bird watching and kayaking and hiking and mushrooming or, you know, um, whatever you call that, looking for shrooms, mushroom hunting, like not doing shrooms and going for a hike. Not, yeah, not doing <laughs> shrooms and going for a hike. We're going on a hike looking for mushrooms and we're not going to eat them while we're out there. And we're not looking for the ones we're not looking for ones that make us talk to trees. Right. So, um, but, oh, foraging, there we go. Got the yeah. word foraging. So there are so many people out there on our public lands that are not deer hunters, right? That there's a, the possibility that they just get sick and tired of it all. And I know guys are going to say, well, well, wait a second. We hunters, we're the ones that pay for the, the land. They're not paying mm -hmm. for the land. Like we're the ones who are being taxed on our you know, firearms purchases, ammo, ammo purchases, gear purchases. That's the money that's funding the public land. It's like, yeah, they may depend on our money, but we depend on their public support right. for keep keeping these places open. Right. Right. Nobody is ever going hmm. to say we need to have hundreds of thousands or millions of acres of land uh, 
just for people to hunt on. Right. It has to be recreation in general. That's part of the fight that we have to take up. We have to take up everyone's right to use and recreate on these public lands, period. Right. Right. Um, and so, <clears throat> yeah, it's just, it has to be that way. And so because Wisconsin, because Wisconsin has such a strong uh, presence of, of non-consumptive users, that is people that aren't out there to shoot something uh, or people that are out there to shoot something that has nothing to do with cell cameras, pheasant hunters, yep. duck hunters, uh, small game hunters, like coyote hunters. Those guys could give a rip about your cell cameras and mm-hmm. they probably don't like getting their pictures taken either. Right. You know what I mean? And sent to my cell phone, especially the one pheasant hunter that I caught peeing. Uh, like he, he probably doesn't want that on my, on my phone. Right. Yeah. Now he, he saw it turn around kind of gave it a little smile, you know? Uh, so he, he knows what was up, but um, he might've done it on purpose. I don't know. But anyway, like it, if another state is going to do it, especially a state in the Midwest, I think Wisconsin could be one of them. Interesting. And what do you what what factors into that? Do you think it's just the fact that we have such a diverse recreation or a, a diverse yeah. um, you know wide range of recreational opportunities and just interests that people have? Um, it's the wide <clears throat> it's the wide range coupled with the fierce devotion to whitetail hunting because mm-hmm. I go out in Georgia on public ground and I don't see the number of cell cameras I see in Wisconsin. I go out on in Alabama on public ground. I do not see the number of cell cameras there. Like you talk to people. I feel I I would love to speak to some other hunters or hear from other hunters who've gone to other states. I feel like Wisconsin might have more trail cameras on public land than a lot of other states. Yeah. I I think we're taking, I I think we're taking the big buck game so seriously on our public lands Mm -hmm. that, that we've got, we've just got more, there are just more cell cameras out there on public ground. And I think that coupled with other people not necessarily wanting to see them out there, uh, you know, other types of users, those right. two things together kind of clue me into like, this may be coming sooner than we think. Right. Right. And that's fascinating. And do, do you think without spot burn or anything here, do you think proximity to urban areas, um, plays a role in that you think 1000 percent. yeah because you think if we were in a more rural state like nebraska or iowa um where there's just just frankly a a lower population you know we don't have uh you know those states don't have that you're sure they got omaha and des moines and whatever i don't know what the populations of those are but um you know they don't have a madison a milwaukee area um a Wausau, Green Bay, that kind of stuff. Um, right. And I'll, I'll be honest, I don't recall what the populations are of those, but I know that Madison and <laughs> Milwaukee, at the very least, are pretty darn, pretty darn popular. Well, their reach, their reach is, is extensive too. That's the mm-hmm. thing. It's not just, it's not just that it's a, it's a lot of people. It's that it's, it's, it's expansive, mm-hmm. right? So there are a lot of people that live in the Madison area, in the Milwaukee area. I mean, goodness gracious, like just look at the stretch between Madison and Milwaukee. Like, yeah, like there are so many people in that stretch of of ground and there's so much public ground in there and there's so much hunting going on in there and there's so many big deer in there. But like, yeah, so like those areas uh, that where we have a lot of people 
are going to be those areas where um, there's better cell phone reception, so they're more likely to have a cell camera on them. The hunters who hunt there have a job in a city with probably a little bit more disposable income than a rural, uh, you know, guy farming might have. And, you know, a little bit more of a desire to have a cell camera, uh, a little bit less time to check SD cameras. So he's more likely to have a cell camera, maybe a little further from where he hunts. So he's more likely to have a cell camera. But those are also the same areas that everybody and their brother is probably going to go hike on for the weekend because it's close to Milwaukee or whatever. Right. Yeah. You know That's what I mean? Cool. So like it is, I think it's going to create these hot spots where, you know, yeah, you might go hunt a place and I don't want to name, uh, you might go hunt somewhere that's more rural and say, there's no trail cameras out here. Like, what are you mm-hmm. talking about, Josh? But just go, go, go around Milwaukee. See how many cell cameras you find. Right. Right. You know, but it's a lot more than you think. Definitely. Well, not to mention too, that you factor in how many of those people, you know, when you lived in, you know, we're living in Southern Wisconsin. How many people did you know who were, um, you know, they, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, they, they would tell you, ah, no, I don't hunt around here, right? I go up to, you know, I go up north and we have a deer camp up there or something like that. Like those guys, it's a lot easier for them to run a cell cam and have it right to their phone than drive three hours up to national forest land to, you know, go back down and granted. Right. Deer density is not right. Great, so I don't know how which, often your uh, cell cam is going to be blowing which, up up there. But Which, dude, there's a there's a county that I had discounted and somebody's been sending me a bunch of pictures of deer killed in this county on some public. And I think next time I'm in Wisconsin, I might not be in southern Wisconsin. I'm just going to put it that way. Really? I I think there's a high deer density area that's more north. And it's cranking out some biggins. Hmm. So, we yeah, have to talk about that off air. Yeah, we will. We will. Some guys we'll listening discuss. right now, are like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, we won't talk about it on air. But but there's another. Know. There's a county. There's a county that's got my attention for next time I'm up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's not. It's not in southern Wisconsin. Right. Last question on cell cams. Then next year, you gonna run them? you mentioned this year you're you you know you had them out there uh but you know they didn't really didn't really produce for you they weren't that beneficial you, you know you kind of yeah. got some intel kind of took some inventory but you know you didn't i am going to run cell cameras on private ground in georgia all right i'm going to run sd cameras on public ground Got that's it. where I'm at. I like it. That's where I'm at. Um, I like that a lot. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it just is what it is. And a lot of it has a lot of it. I'll be honest with you. It comes down to my kids, right? Like I'm going <clears> to, <throat> we'll be, we'll have food plots and we'll have feeders out mm-hmm. there, man. And, uh, you know what? I want to know when the deer are coming to them. Right. I want to know, I want to know which of these three or four food plots have, you know, five or six deer in them instead of one every mm-hmm. day. Because that's where I want to take my son for his first year or my daughter for her first year. Um, So it is going to be a tool that that I use uh, for that. But as far as public ground, um, it's going to be all SD cameras, um, which I'm I'm just I get nervous with those on public ground anyway, just because I feel like a cell camera, just a lot more money. Right. Like it's a lot more money hanging on that tree. But I think they're less likely to get stolen, too, in a way, because 
people figure their picture's already been taken and sent. Right. So, right. Anyway. All right. So let me ask you this then. <clears throat> uh, I'll, I'll be straight up now. We're, we're not going to touch on both the topics that we uh, had originally planned to talk or talk about today. All right. Um, how, how, how far in are we? I'm not watching the. Uh, I'll be honest. Neither am I. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know where the timer's at, but. Um, so I. I have a question here about your, um, you know, what you just said there about wanting to run cell cams on Georgia private for your kids hunting. Um, we're going to get Robert back on Mr. Rosenberger to discuss this. Um, and I'm in no way questioning your, uh, your parenting at all. Is there part of you that wants to make the kids grind it out for a year, grind it out for a couple of weeks before they can get a deer so that they really got to, you know, they don't, they don't go out. They don't have the cell cam, you know, you know, Intel that, you know, they can, they can come up and tug under your shirt sleeve and say like, Hey, are there any deer in the food plot? Can we go hunt that kind of thing? Right. So here, here's how it will be strategic. Gotcha. Uh, number one, my kids have been grinding it out. Okay, so right. they've hunted, they've hunted with me and their grandfather when, when we're back home. Sure. Um, my son, you know, just this past turkey season, we put on six miles in one day. That's right. Yep. That's right. You know, and he was six at the time. Mm -hmm. So my six year old walks six miles through the Northwest Georgia Hills chasing gobbles. So like he sat in the cold you know, in a deer blind mm -hmm. and not, not seen any deer or seen a deer and, you know, watched his grandpa take one or, right. or whatever. Um, but my number one, my kids have already grinded it out. And so we're getting to the point now, you know, I've, I've had them putting in the work, so to speak, mm -hmm. before they were ever ready to shoot. Sure. Right? I like that. So they've got a lot of that experience where it's not just like, Oh, the first time I ever went deer hunting, I shot something. It's like, no, you didn't. Right. You, you watch somebody shoot or mm -hmm. you, you know, like they've been around for my grand, my, my dad took my daughter and he missed. And she was so upset that he missed that deer, but, and he missed it at like 20 yards with a shotgun. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> what, what happened? You know, like how did that happen? But, uh, you know, I was just standing in front of him in a food plot. Mm -hmm. um, but so like they've already put in the work. Number two, they will not know that there is a cell camera there. Oh. They will know, they will know that there is right. a camera there because they're yep. going to help me hang the camera. Yep. Uh, they will probably know that there are some deer there, but they will never be introduced to the fact that we can just pull that up at any time and see like, Oh, they came out yesterday. Let's go. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. So totally. it will be introduced. And basically that just tells me where to heighten the odds because while there is a concern of making it too easy for your kids, there's also the concern of them going three, four, five years without ever killing a deer. Right. Like, I don't care who you are. That's not good for hunter recruitment. Right. You know, like my, so my first season carrying a gun went as well as it possibly could. Mm -hmm. We went out opening or for youth season, saw some deer. My dad didn't let me shoot them cause they were small. Um, which he's from Michigan. So he didn't know what a small deer was. Turns out everything, <laughs> turns out everything down there is small. Um, and so he didn't let me shoot them. And so we, there was really only two deer that we saw. Uh, they were actually two melanistic deer. Uh, oh, cool. They were probably, probably fawns. 
uh, they were both black, like jet black. Like he wasn't even sure because he had just moved to Alabama. He right. was like, wait a second. I don't even know if these are whitetails. Like what, what is this right. you know, kind of thing? Um, anyway, we never saw any, any deer like that again. This is on public ground. We hunted the rest of the season and did not see another deer until that. And that was, you know, no, mid November. We hunted mm-hmm. the rest of the season almost every weekend finally killed a deer January 30th when a six point stepped out in the food plot. So that was like as good as it could be, Mm -hmm. you know, for a new hunter, you know? Um, And I want a similar experience for my kids where they have to put in the work and only once they've put in the work, they pull the trigger. And at the same time, I want them to see deer. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know that, as you were saying that I realized that was, uh, that was part of my questioning of it as, as well was like, man, that was, that was me for a couple of years going out and hunting and like, you know, maybe I'd see a deer, but it was in the brush and it was like way far away and I couldn't get a crack at one. And like, dude, I just grinded and grinded right. and grinded. Um, it was, I mean, two and a half years before I shot my first deer. And right. that was a long, a long, long two and a half years of, you know, right. granted, we didn't have, our property was so not geared towards deer at all compared to what it is now not that it's like geared towards deer because again it's a five acre parcel but like we had not cut a single trail in the woods we had not hung a single stand this was the the days of grab the old five gallon bucket carry it out there with you flip it upside down and there's your freaking stand buddy you can sit on the bucket and lean against the tree and hope something comes by and i can i can still picture the first like legit opportunity that i like blue trying to like get a shot at a deer when i was sitting in like dude probably two feet of snow like leaned up against this tree waiting for something to come down and you know it was back in the days where you know, your dad had to be with you for or you know, had to have a parent or a, a, a mentor with you uh, for the first two years and i was sitting there and i was looking at his way and i was chatting with him he was like the next tree over and i looked back over my shoulder and there was a doe like 15 feet from me coming right down the trail and she just looked straight at me and bolted and i was like no that was finally gonna happen come on like just (laughs) the desperation so there's part of me that wonders you know i not that i necessarily want the uh two and a half years of this sucks to uh happen for everyone but i think right legitimate concern as we've talked about and as i think robert mentioned even with uh you know discussing you know some of these youth hunts now and uh reducing the age uh or eliminating the age requirement and stuff for for hunting um, to the point where it's like, okay, like you've got, you know, some, some folks out there who are, you know, bringing their four-year-old out there, putting them in a, you know, a tower blind with, you know, a high-end rest, high-end rifle. And, uh, basically, all right, here's, uh, here's 160 inch deer out in your food plot, point and shoot. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to line this up for you. You just pull the trigger like that kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, and, I, and I think that's, I don't know. I don't know that that's great for recruitment either. So yeah, I mean, my question is you on that. The not because right. I know your kid. I remember that day this spring when you mentioned that you were uh, you guys put in six miles and you were just beating the dirt. Um, oh, dude, my and, and my son wanted to keep it. going. He wanted to keep going. I'm like, dude, let's go home. <laughs> like, I was like, I remember being like, dude, I will take you to Chick Fil A if you will just get in the car. Like, I am ready to go. <laughs> uh, and so we went to Chick Fil A. But, uh, man. but yeah, I mean, 
Dude, those kids have been out there with me, you know, grinding it out late season scouting since they were three and five. Mm-hmm. They've been out there chasing gobbles with me since they were three and five. I've had them out on public ground. Like I, I was taking them out for the youth weekend mm-hmm. at the place where I really like to hunt. I was taking them out on youth weekend to listen for turkeys and try to get close to turkeys. We didn't even have a gun. Right. We just wanted to get close to turkeys because we knew there, there aren't a lot of youth hunters out there, which, mm-hmm. you know, if you got a kid and you want to get them a turkey for youth season, like holler at me, I know a good public spot to get them a <laughs> turkey because there's, there's like zero youth pressure on this place. Mm-hmm. Um, but dude, we just go out there and chase turkeys around. Right. Um, and so they, they've put in the work before they could carry a gun. Right. Um, and they know what goes into it, but yeah, that's cool. We'll man. See. That's really cool. I like that. So you mentioned the kids aren't going to know that you've got a cell cam on the, uh, on the food plot. As far as they know, it's, it's an SD cam or they know that there's deer in the area. Right. How long are you going to keep that secret? Um, how long till you let them in and you say, Hey, check out what's out there right now. I don't know. I don't know. I, so kids are funny, right? Like they could mm-hmm. even know, they could even know like, yeah, this is a cell camera. And then for some reason, like it just doesn't register to them that I can like go check it anytime that I want to. Right. So there's a strong possibility that I can have my cake and eat it too. And just be like, <laughs> Hey, look what's out there right now. And they will never put it together. That like, wait, can you check it now to see if there's a deer out there? They right. might, they might not. I don't know. It just, it just depends. But um, my kids are so eager, dude. They like, they just want to hunt. Like they just right. want to get out there and be in the woods. I don't think I don't, I don't need the pictures to, to psych them up. Like I right. don't have to show them the pictures at all. So, you know, it, it may be something that after the first year or two, I'm kind of letting them in, in on the game of just like, mm-hmm. look, yeah, this is a cell camera. Um, but you know, that's just a, a mentoring opportunity for them right to where i can be like you know this is a tool that can be abused and so we use this tool in specific ways to keep things for us and what we have deemed ethical you know what mm-hmm. feels right to us this is what we are going to do and how we are going to use these in an acceptable way so that we are remaining ethical and sportsmanlike right. in this pursuit and so that they make us better hunters rather than making us dumber hunters right I like that so, a lot. Hey, can, you know, I just thought of something. I had a guy, uh, he, he wrote a comment on Facebook on, a, on something that I posted a long time ago. And I just saw the comment like the other day and never responded to it because I, I never get on Facebook because it's of the devil and I hate it. <laughs> um, but you got to do it if you have a, a podcast. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I was talking about how I want people to be out on public lands. I want people to be out there, you know, getting after it on public ground. And at the same time, I wouldn't tell people where I hunted. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, you're a hypocrite because you don't you say you want people out there, but you won't tell people where you hunt. And I just want to address that real quick, yeah. because there is a big difference between wanting people to use public land and telling people exactly where I'm at. Right you know, exactly where I'm finding success. Huge difference. That difference is intuitive to me. um, And it, 
I, I think I maybe took took for granted that it was intuitive for everybody. Um, the reason that I don't want to tell people where I'm finding success is not only, yes, of course, I don't want people crowding me. I don't want a mass of people, you know, coming in and be like, oh, I heard Josh killed a big one here. Or Josh saw a big one here. or Josh shot a big one here. Uh, because I do a lot of stuff in real time. Like right. I could shoot at one. I'm going to post it on my Instagram story. Hey, I shot at one, you know, didn't make a good shot or missed it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And guys could be in there the next day trying to track this deer down because they heard one was in there. Right. Right. So I don't do it for that reason. <laughs> I also don't do it out of respect for people that do hunt there. So there are a lot of guys that live there, hunt there. That is their place. Like that's the only spot they hunt just about. I don't want to burn up their spot by having a bunch of folks driving an hour to come hunt this place. Right. You know what I mean? And I can hold all of that intention with the fact, absolutely. I want people out there. And if you happen to stumble on the public ground where I'm at, wonderful, let's chat. Mm -hmm. And if you happen to be out there hunting it when I am awesome, let's compare notes. I'll tell you where my tree is and what I'm seeing. And we can compare notes that way. Right. But that doesn't mean that I'm being hypocritical it means that some things are apples, some things are oranges, right? Like they're, they're just yeah. very, very different. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I just wanted to clarify that. Cause I, I so appreciated that uh, there was somebody who'd call me out, you know, if he thought I was being hypocritical, like I, I yeah. legitimately appreciated him being like, Hey, I, I see an inconsistency in your message here. And so I wanted to take the opportunity to say, number one, thanks for pointing out what you perceived as an inconsistency. Uh, number two, I think I'll have to disagree with you. I don't mm-hmm. think it's an inconsistency because just because I'm glad people are like, I'm glad when folks are on my place. Like, yeah, man, the more the merrier. Let's do it. Let's see what we can right. find out here. But I'm not going to tell you where it's at so that you right. can just come join the join the crusade, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, yeah, man, there's so much there's so much depth to that. There's so like that. That's a really, really nuanced question. Um Right. I'm glad they pointed out that or they pointed that out as well and asked that question because I think, you know, they're I mean, look at western states and stuff too. And I mean, I, I was talking with a guy I went to college with uh yesterday and I was in he he mentioned Colorado, you know, doing the <clears throat> you know, releasing the wolves and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And Ooh. I I asked him, um no, nah, it was just poking fun at it, and I said, How long till there's a wolf season, do you think? And he responded something along the lines of uh, they'll blame it on hunting pressure before they blame it on wolves. And, mm. you know, we had that discussion a little bit. Um, but I, I made a comment that I would hate to be a Western hunter right now. Like right. If, I was, if I was a Colorado native, and as we all know, in the last three years now, Colorado's gotten a hell of a lot more busy than I mean it has been yes. for a long time and it's not just Colorado it's all western states it seems right now yeah but yep. man with with covid with uh I, I mean you you could you could place any number of names um on a list of contributors to the influx of people who wanted to get into elk hunting who wanted to get into bow hunting who wanted to go out and source their own food and do it all on public land and, you know, shooting elks, the best meat out there and all that stuff. And and good on them, you know, good on them for, for picking up that pursuit for going out there and doing that. However, like you mentioned, like, 
you don't want to burn out a spot that somebody lives on or lives near who that is right where they have the opportunity to hunt that's where they have hunted for 15 20 years whatever and i get that it's public land right it's public right. everybody right. owns it anybody can go out there yep and but if you find it good job right but i'm not going to help you find it exactly and at the same time you've put in the work to find those great spots Right. Those guys who live in that area have put in the work to figure out those spots. And there's a reason that they hunt them every year. You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, I, public land is public land, right? Anything can happen out there. Uh, yesterday when I was out, I accidentally walked through a guy's setup. Like I, I felt terrible, like scooted out of there as quickly as I could. The more people you throw out there, um, especially if they're, if they've never been there before and they just know, Oh, well, you know, I know this is where Josh hunts and, uh, I want to, you know, I want to go out there. He said there's good deer out here, so I'm going to go out and figure it out. Okay, well, when are you figuring that out? Are you figuring that out on November 4th? Or are you figuring that out in August or right. April or whenever it may be? You know what I mean? Like, is it the kind of thing where you're just going to be, like, tromping through the woods, through everyone's, you know, setups and looking for different things? And, you know, say there's somebody out there who's got the old – uh <laughs> You know, like the the bulletin board with like the all the different pins and the string and everything, like that whole yeah. thing, whatever. Like, have they done that with all the little tidbits that we've dropped over the over the years discussing, you know, spots and stuff like that? And they think they've got Josh's spot dialed or, uh, or my spot dialed or whatever. And then yeah, you're up there on your rotation. All of a sudden, three guys go tromping through. Like, not to be selfish, but that sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. does. And it it's for sure inevitable to happen on public land, right? Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, there's I don't know, a big I'm a big believer in the figuring it out for yourself within reason. Yeah. Right. And I think yeah. you need yeah. to be able to go out there and you need to struggle. You gotta kind of like, you know, make stupid mistakes. You gotta bump deer out of like spots and just be like, oh my God, I just blew that so bad. I cannot believe I right. did that. Like, I don't know if they're ever gonna come back here. I screwed this up big. You, know, you gotta have those fails leading up to the success, I think. Right. I think I agree. that's my take on it. Um, Cause I don't think making it too easy is good for recruitment either. No, I, I, I agree with that. I think right. the kids who have it handed to them on a silver platter uh, are probably not going to stick with it. And if they do stick with it, they're going to be in it for the wrong reasons. Yep. <clears throat> I agree with you completely um, there. Not to say they can't grow, shift, and pivot. Just saying mm -hmm. we're, we're not setting them up well for success as outdoorsmen and hunters. Right. Um, you know. Absolutely. I, 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 like, your, I like your approach the cell cams and your kids and how you're getting getting them into it with you know setting them up for success but not doing everything for them i like that you've had them right out there and you've had them putting on multi-mile days chasing gobbles and stuff like that i mean that's cool i think a lot more i don't i don't have kids i'm just spouting off right now i have, <laughs> I have zero uh parental experience <laughs> right now um but i think that's well, cool. i think i think that's a great way to do it to get kids you know get you you build up that i mean that you, you build up the the pursuit you know they, they get that hunting right hunting hunting's hunting not killing right right and that's what it's all about like i mean these kids have been out there scouting with me for years at this point like they've mm -hmm. you know they've done it and 
you know, next week we're going, or the end of this week and in the, into next week, we're going to be hunting in a place where is it a little bit easier to kill a deer? Probably, you know, yeah. uh, I haven't killed a deer out there since 2019. And that's because we're, I don't know, we're kind of old men when it comes to hunting this place. Cause we kind of just like to watch them, right. you know, um, it's, it's the family farm. Um, we also don't have a single camera out there this year. Sure. We didn't, we didn't put one out. Dude, uh, my dad fun. wanted, yeah, my dad wanted a different experience, dude. He wanted a different experience. Didn't put any cameras out. He went out opening day of bow season, has a buck come in, misses the buck, mm -hmm. right? Has another bigger buck come in. That's probably one of the biggest he's seen on the property. He wounded that buck. That's right. Uh, I think it was probably a shoulder shit. A shoulder hit, <laughs> a shoulder hit, uh, non-lethal shot, right? Non-lethal yep. shot, most likely, but we don't know. Opening day of gun season, he goes back out there. The buck he missed comes comes in. He shoots the buck he missed in bow season, opening day of gun season. Really? So he's getting, yeah. And this is the only year he's ever not run cameras, and the deer are just <laughs> per, they're just participating. Which he's never run cell cameras, so I'm I'm like, dude, it's the pressure. Like, look mm -hmm. at the pressure you're putting on. You know, I mean, we're at the point now we can get out of the blind in the evenings, and the does will watch us get out of the blind. Oh, like, <laughs> they don't. Yeah, yeah. It's they don't they don't leave the field. Right. When we when we get out of the blind anymore, they just kind of watch us. Uh, but like, the, get the, in the bucks, golf cart and leave. Come on. Yeah, they're eat. like, get out, get out of here, guys. The bucks, though, they still they still are not cool with us. Mm -hmm. uh, they're just naturally more wary. So anyway, the kids will be out there, though. No cameras involved. We're probably going to see some deer. I might end up shooting a doe. Um, probably going to shoot a doe. We got way too many deer on this farm. I mean, any yeah. any given evening, you know, there's 30 or 40 deer in the food plots on 35 acres. Like, that's too many deer. Right. Um, right. So we got we to gotta kill some, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, should be should be fun, but no no cameras involved. I like that man, and that's there, there's part of me that wants to go no cams next year, right? And just right, just hunt to hunt, you know, and whatever happens happens. Because I I agree with Dude. you. There's there's something. It's a different feeling. You know what I mean? One, I think you're less stressed because anything can happen. You go out there, you've got kind of right. that blind optimism. Not that that uh, served us great this year, but <laughs> you've got some hey. blind optimism. If I had been truly optimistic, like fully and truly optimistic, mm -hmm. I might have been a little more dialed and ready for my shot when it came. But that's just that's just me. Well, that was that was a different issue. That was a matter of just getting settled in. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. I mean, night one, day one, that's that's tough. <laughs> well, I'm trying to decide which of the first four uh encounters with shooters that I had should I have actually connected on. I should have connected <laughs> on one of them. Like, it really doesn't matter which of the four you want to talk about. I should have shot one of them. But, but. you had ample opportunity. <laughs> I did. So I there's did. success so, to be to be. I'm curious about. That. I'm curious about your take. How do you think your hunting style would be different if you don't if you don't use cameras next year? Like, what are what are some distinguishing features that you think would happen to you? Um. Dude, the thing that comes to mind right now that I was. I I think it would just from a stress standpoint, I think I would be such like just so much more relaxed as a hunter. 
Right. I really do. I, I think if I was going in there with blind optimism and just like blind, oper- you know, just going in with zero intel and just reading sign and just being like, all right, here's the trail. I know this is how they, you know, where they like to eat. Um, you know, they're probably betting here. What's the wind look like for today? All right, let's roll the dice, see what happens. I mean, I, I, I think there's, there's something to be said for just relying on woodsmanship and that sort of, I don't want to say old school, um, you know, hunting strategy, but yeah, old school, take the tech out of it and just go out there and be a hunter. Don't be a, a, you know, a a cell cam or even like an SD cam guy, I guess as as much. I don't, I'm not saying that as I'm I'm not going to use them next year, but I might not use them next year, depending on, it depends on the property too. You know what I mean? If it's, if it's public, I mean, there's part of me that, you know, maybe I'll run a cell cam out there in, you know, August and September or something, you know, just to see what's out there at the very least and start from there figuring out. I've got, you know, plans this, this spring here. I I think I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and really figure out a lot of properties um, that are at least a handful of, and I want to figure out or figure them out really well. Um, There are a few that I I just started hunting this year that I, I want to figure out more. There's one that Dude, yesterday I was in that buck's bed that I was chasing over in those uh, in those bluffs. I just said, like, screw it. This is the last time I'm going to be out here uh, this year, I think. I want to go in there and I want to see exactly what his bedroom looked like. And I went in there, I figured it out. I picked out a tree for next fall. Um, I, I, I I learned a lot. I'll just put it. Was in there hair? Was there hair in the bed? Yep. Ah. Uh. Yeah. well <laughs> he's still so he's, he's probably still using it. Yeah. uh i'm wondering if and i'm wondering this about myself as well but i'm wondering if you will be less likely to settle on a spot like like will it make you scout more and hunt less and will it mm. make you do things like take up more glassing sets you know observation sets yeah i love an observation maybe direct set. hunting set. <laughs> Dude, I had a okay. I recorded an episode last night with a guy named Ethan Eskew. Have you heard of Ethan? Yeah. Okay. So I I recorded an episode with Ethan Eskew. We got all into glassing. We hadn't planned on having that conversation, but we were all over glassing and how he glasses in places like West Virginia that are mm-hmm. not glassing friendly. He right. moved to Missouri. Same glassing game. He killed four bucks this season, four whitetail bucks this season, and a slammer mule deer. So five really good bucks this year and glass played a vital role in basically all of them Mm -hmm. and dude i'm telling you i'm fired up to do some glassing and some observation sits because he was like dude i will i'll throw up the glass and i'll just sit and watch a spot watch a corner of a of a power line right of way right and he was like he was like and all you'll see you know, you'll see the tips of tines go through. Sure. And then it's gone. He's like, you got three seconds. If you were looking up from your glass for that three seconds, you didn't see the deer. You missed them. And I'm like, dude, this is not how I approach observation sits no. at all. <laughs> like, at all. dude, observation sits, I got a friggin' Pop-Tart and a Coke. I'm like sitting back, possibly reading a book. Mm-hmm. You know, like Glancing I man, up I'm from like, time to time. Yeah, like it is not that serious, but this dude's like, no, this is what you gotta do to get to to see deer when you're glassing like this. And dude, 
I got fired up, man. So that's going to be, that's going to be Thursday on how to hunt deer. Um, Today? with Ethan Eskew. So, uh, no, next Thursday. Next Thursday. So we're, gotcha. we're recording this on a Thursday for Tuesday, but when this launches, it will be, th- it'll be the coming Thursday. So in okay. two days, awesome. it'll be the, that'll be the conversation with Ethan Eskew. And I did not expect that to be the conversation. Uh, we were just going to talk about a season and like what went into it because the dude moved across the country and still killed a bunch of slammers. Right. right? So like the dude's just a, a stone cold killer. And he's a guy that like Jake Bush and uh, I think Jacob Sklinner knows him too. Yep. Um, but they're, you know, guys like that are saying, Hey, this guy, Ethan's a killer. So it's like, okay. All right. If, if those guys are saying Ethan's a killer, then it's like, I need to pay attention. And I'm noticing a theme where all these guys that are killers have like this engineering mindset. So I might have to go back to school and take some engineering (laughs) courses to figure out how to really break things down and solve problems, Uh, approach them like an engineer dude, because there's something to it. Right. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've been thinking a very similar thing and man, yesterday I was watching, um, Jacob Sklinder's, uh, the wild calling YouTube channel. I was just popping through videos and I watched his, uh, next level e-scouting video, like locating buck beds, dude, mind was blown. Right. Mind was absolutely blown. And the way that he color codes things the way, and he's, he's talked about this on our show before. If you haven't listened folks, uh, this is your first time hearing that name. Uh, you need to listen to some episodes with Jacob Slender that we've done because both of them right. are just absolute hammers and Jacob is smart as a freaking whip um, and also a big buck killer. But dude, the, the way he uses Onyx as such a tool, like it's obviously it's a tool, right? It's a map. You can flip it around. You can go 3D imagery. You can drop pins. It's you know good for organizing and stuff. But taking it to the next level of using like, you're drawing lines on where, you know, little subtle knobs are, um, you right. know, across properties and stuff like that. And like how, okay, like what's the predominant wind for this area? You know, where is the buck bed likely to be? Dude, it was just like, holy smokes. So I'm definitely with you on that, that, you know, a lot of these guys are, are approaching deer hunting with more of like they're, they're engineering a property um, or they're, you know, reverse engineering a property, I should say, to figure out yeah. where these bucks are at. Yeah. I need, I need to learn the mindset that, so I'm not even worried necessarily directly about their tactics at this point. Mm-hmm. I want to learn how to think to problem solve like that. Right. If that makes sense. So yeah. I almost want to have a whole conversation where it's not like, okay, I don't want to know anything about buck betting, where you're finding it, how bucks travel. I don't want to hear any of that stuff. What I want to know is what resources you used at, to become an engineer, you know, from Ethan and Jacob and guys mm-hmm. like that. Like, what resources did you use or learn from that helped you learn to think like that? Right. Because I think that would be a well-served or a, a, a skill that you can hone that will serve you well through your hunting career. Definitely. 100%. No matter where the bucks are betting on it and what, no matter, like, who cares what property it's on. Right. That learning to break it down and learning to ask the right questions is is going to be huge. Absolutely. I've been thinking the, a, a very, very similar thought there, too. Of just I want to pick these guys' brains. I want to ask Jacob. I want to ask guys like Ethan, maybe Ryan Glitzky again. I, you know, like, just ask these, these big buck killers questions about, like, okay, so you, you, you've 
pinpointed this bed. Um, you know, here's where it's likely to be on certain winds and stuff like that. Okay, what's your access look like? Like, what can you get away yeah. with? What what factors are you like? What's enough, I guess, information or enough to to push you to like, okay, today's the day. I'm gonna go in there and, and get it done. And here's yeah. why. I want to know the yeah. why behind so many different, you know, actionable steps um, in terms of, you know, you know, stuff like, like, like what you and I discussed, you know, just like, okay, do we go all the way in? Do we go in observation set? I don't know. Like, well, right. it seems like right now. And I, I think you and I, we have, you know, solid constructive conversations and stuff like that. And, you know, we're, we're, we're making informed decisions. Right. But, talking to some more guys and just i, I want to get more you know like a uh, dequisto who's a, a, just a super aggressive you know strategy bow hunter what like is it is it a matter of just going in there with with some confidence and just being like i'm going in and i'm making this happen today and doesn't matter the conditions aren't perfect i'm going to make a setup that is perfect for today's conditions and go from there what dictates those decisions right right yeah we need to we need to do a whole steer series on that i don't know <laughs> yeah just call it just call the series why literally <laughs> you know, and, and have have those guys on tell you know getting stories of bucks that they've killed and just why why mm -hmm. why 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 right but you know, why did you do that why did he do that right but we also talk about how, okay, you can engineer the hell out of this stuff and you can be super strategic and you can do all this stuff, but then to what degree is it still luck dependent? You know what I mean? Right. Like you can make your own luck. You can, you can stack the deck in your favor, <clears throat> but there, that deer still needs to play the game. That deer still need, you know, uh, a coyote could come through and screw the whole thing up and shove that deer 300 yards away from you and you're just like okay well, right whatever some jackass like me could walk through your setup and that screwed things up sorry dude like yeah you know what i mean so it's yep. kind of like yeah no there's definitely an element to it there are a lot of things outside of your control and, and really what we're saying when we say luck is we need the things that are outside of our control to line up right you know and so i feel like i feel like the answer is limiting the number of things that are outside of your control mm -hmm. as much as you can. And by doing your homework, by asking the question why, by figuring out exactly where he's bedded, exactly the travel routes that he's using, you're lowering the number of things that could go wrong, right? Like you're, right. you're taking those external factors out of play one by one. Um, there will always be some, like a coyote, like you can't stop the coyote. Right. Right. But you can put yourself in places where, you know, a coyote is less likely to come <laughs> from this direction and spook the buck mm -hmm. away from you, you know, like there's so, yeah, but I think that all, yeah, it all plays into it for sure. Definitely. Definitely. For sure. For sure. Well, man, we've been going for a uh, little over an hour here. Um, we were originally planning on discussing uh, shooting small bucks and doing your part to shoot more does. Didn't touch on that. Sorry for no, we did not. If you were really no, we did hoping not. for that today, I apologize. Uh, but yeah, we also you know. we also want to talk uh, want to talk Ernabuck, right? Yes, sir. I think we're gonna At get our point, uh, we're so. gonna try and get uh, an, uh, a little pal of ours. Um, 
Oh, oh, pal. Oh, oh, pal. Exactly. OG, actually. First episode, pal. Um, yeah, so he was episode two or three. Episode two, yeah. Episode two, yeah, it was episode two. But, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, man, I think you'd be, I think you'd be a good one. I think so, dude. I was doing a little bit of research on, on Ernabuck states, like states that still are Ernabuck. Um, some of the different ways that they, that they structure it in terms of, you know, like I know Virginia is kind of a weird one where it's like, it's earn a buck. You can shoot a buck first, but you have two buck tags. If you want to shoot another buck, you have to shoot a doe in between stuff like that. I also didn't realize that it was only a two year period in Wisconsin that we had earn a buck. Yeah. I thought it was much. Yeah. People act like they were the friggin' dark ages. Yeah, dude. I, I mean. I, I just that was when I started hunting was I think two thousand seven, I think, and so I just yeah. thought like, like oh well, <laughs> this is how it is. <laughs> yeah, and so like here's another. I is there a way? And here's here's my thought process: Is there a way to enforce if as a one buck state? Because when we're talking earn a buck, we're typically talking gun hunting and that kind of thing, but bow hunting too, right? Like if you want to get your gun tag, you need to have shot a, a doe. Yep. You know, if you're if you're a bow hunter. But is there a way for that gun hunter? Because what I don't want to take away is that opportunity for the guy to get out there on a on Saturday morning mm-hmm. and that buck steps out in the lane. Like I want him to be able to take that shot. Right. But is there a way of saying, you know what, if you don't then follow up with a doe within the gun season, mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna we're gonna fine you. Or Ooh. you're not you're not going to get next year's buck tag until you've shot a doe. You know what I mean? Like interesting. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to take that away, that opportunity, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I do want to force you and yes, I force you Mm -hmm. to shoot a doe. Yeah. I want to make you, I want to make you do it. You know, if you're, especially if you're in a CWD zone, but anyway, we'll, we'll talk about all that more later. Right. We'll be more organized. Uh, Folks, if you haven't already, uh, go give us a follow at the Wisconsin sportsman pod on Instagram. If that's a platform you, uh, you frequent i'm gonna try on tuesday uh well when this comes out maybe i'll do it later in the week actually so we get folks some time to listen to this because i know it's a holiday uh week and folks are going to be busy but we'll throw another poll out there a couple questions and just give us some feedback give us your input uh i'm a data nerd so i uh i like seeing what folks have to say um and it helps us figure out what the thoughts and feelings are of folks who are listening to this show. So I like it. Give us a follow I there. Like um, check us out there, folks. Have a uh, wonderful holiday, whatever you're, whatever you're celebrating. Uh, we'll talk to you before New Year's. Um, hopefully we can get Mr. Sam Billhorn on to uh, talk some late season, uh, or I guess really just postseason scouting and uh, see if we can get another great episode with him on the, uh, yeah. on the books. But Josh, thanks for hopping on from the Starbucks parking lot this week. (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anytime, anytime. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. While you're at it, if you could leave me a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. You can also follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at the Wisconsin Sportsman or at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics, guests, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. 
please go support the brands that support this show. And if you're looking for more great outdoor content, check out the sportsmansempire.com where you'll find my other podcast, the How to Hunt Deer podcast, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. And until next time, make sure you make the time to get outside and enjoy the incredible natural resources that are ours as Wisconsin sportsmen.